Mina Montessario, wreathed in fire and smoke, hurtles through the dirigible's ornate rear window in a shower of stained glass. There's a moment where everything slows, and Mina is struck by the surreal beauty of the scene. From up here, several hundred feet above the nighttime streets of Kairos, the city glitters with the light of a thousand crystal lanterns. All around her, countless shards of glass expand outwards, reflecting the flames that erupt from the stricken airship, and a shimmering halo of yellow and red. She watches, fascinated, as bolts of blue-green arcane energy crackle past her as if moving through oil, missing her by mere inches. Time seems to stand still. Then, with her forward momentum spent, gravity reasserts control. There is nothing between her and the ground other than 500 feet of cold night air. Oh, bugger, Mina says. And then she's falling. Hello and welcome to Session Zero of The Lone Adventurer, an actual play solo RPG podcast with me, Carl White. I will be your narrator, your games master, and your guide on this journey into the unknown. I'll be using the D&D 5th edition rule set, and a variety of other systems, tools and tables as they take my fancy. For this preliminary session, I'm going to talk a bit about my preparation for this game how I intend to approach the podcast, and the reasons behind some of my decisions. If that's of interest, then please listen on. If you'd rather just skip straight to the action and find out what happens to Mina, you might want to stop this session and start with Chapter 1. So, I mentioned this was going to be a solo 5e actual play podcast. Let's unpack that a bit. If you're listening to this, you're likely to be familiar with role-playing games in general, and with the most famous of them, Dungeons & Dragons, in particular. There's no shortage of D&D actual play podcasts out there, and frankly, you're spoiled for choice. What makes this a little different is that I'll be playing the game solo. I'll be both the player and the GM. For those not familiar with solo RPGs, this might seem like a strange concept. Typically, RPGs are designed first and foremost as a group experience. Player and GM interaction are central to that experience. The unexpected twists and turns of the story and of personal relationships are what make the thing exciting. And D&D, mechanically, is built around the idea of a party of characters working together. It's balanced for that. On the face of it, playing D&D solo with only one character seems like an impossible ask. But as you'll hopefully see, with the addition of some very clever tools and some house rules, a solo D&D campaign is perfectly possible. In fact, there are a number of really high-quality solo RPG podcasts already in existence. Tale of the Manticore is my personal favourite, and a significant inspiration for this podcast. That game, and several others, have an emphasis on an old-school style. They hearken back to early editions of D&D, with a focus on simple rules, deadly combat, a party of classic character classes, dungeon crawling, and wilderness exploration. But for this game, I want to try something a little different. Mechanically, I want to use 5e, the current D&D edition, 
and instead of running a whole party, I want to play, at least to begin with, with just one character. A character that feels a little bit different to the old-school vibe. And tonally, I'm looking for something quite different too. I want the focus to be on intrigue and swashbuckling high adventure. I want my hero to feel heroic and highly capable. That's one of the beauties of solo RPGs. You get to play exactly the game you want to play. Before we get into the details of the underpinning mechanics, it's perhaps worth taking a moment to examine goals. What do I want to get out of this game? I've played many solo RPGs, and what I've learned is that my interest leans in the direction of both discovery and storytelling. I love the way a plot, a world, and a character's personal development can reveal themselves in compelling, unpredictable ways when given a bit of room to breathe. And I also love the process of translating those events into a coherent, exciting narrative. These, then, will be my goals – to discover an exciting new world, to become entangled in death-defying, sweeping plots, and to follow my character's internal journey of growth and change along the way. So, why D&D? Sure, it's the most popular RPG in the world, but it's not necessarily the best. There are many other games that I could use, and arguably to better effect. Powered by the Apocalypse games, such as Dungeon World, really suit the cinematic, narrative-forward style that I'm looking for. Some other games, such as Ironsworn, are built from the ground up to function well as a solo experience. But I think, for this game, with both the world and the character concept that I've got in mind, 5e is probably the best fit. We'll have to play to find out. Now, I mentioned that D&D is very much optimised around the party of four to five characters. So how do we make it work for just one? Firstly, by choosing a character class that has versatility built in. Bards, or certain rogue builds, or even paladins, can function well as a solo character. But the class that's caught my eye is the Battlesmith Artificer, from one of the more recent expansion books, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It's a class with loads of flexibility and with options that will hopefully function well in a number of different contexts. Secondly, to balance 5e, to work with a single PC facing enemies normally intended for a whole party, I'm going to make a few changes to the standard 5th edition rules. 1. All damage dealt by the PC will be doubled. 2. The PC's hit points will be doubled. 3. If a player character's attack drops an enemy to zero hit points, excess damage can be applied to another nearby enemy, as per the Cleaving Through Creatures combat option on page 272 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. This will let me use more, weaker monsters in my encounters without totally overwhelming my player character, since they can potentially kill multiple enemies in one attack. This helps counterbalance the action economy problem that's introduced by playing with just a single-player character. 4. If the situation warrants it, I may use the morale rules from the Dungeon Master's Guide, page 273. 5. I will apply average damage instead of rolling for damage for monsters. This speeds up gameplay and prevents unexpected damage spikes that can suddenly take out a PC. 
swingy damage is fine in a normal sized group, but it can really put the brakes on the fun against a party of one. That means no crit damage for monsters. But when an enemy rolls a natural 20, something narratively negative for my PC will likely happen instead. 6. I'll use the Healing Surges adventuring option from page 266 of the DMG. For my game, my PC will be able to spend hit dice as a bonus action, and they'll regain all hit dice after a long rest. 7. I'll use the Lingering Injuries option from page 272 of the DMG. I'll roll on this table if my PC gets to zero hit points, and instead of dying, I'll give them a chance of being knocked unconscious or taken prisoner or maybe left for dead, but then waking up 1d4 hours later with a single hit point and maybe a lingering injury from the table. 8. As suggested in the optional rule on page 240 of the DMG, my PC will gain three hero points after each long rest. These can be used like inspiration, but unlike inspiration, they can be used to re-roll after seeing the first result. This helps a lot with survivability. 9. Any wands, scrolls, etc. can be used by my PC with a successful arcana check. 10. And finally, when the narrative opportunity presents itself, I will probably be introducing a sidekick using the rules introduced in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. They will not benefit from any of these other rules, so no double damage or double hit points for them. I want the narrative focus to be firmly on my own PC. I've played a few solo D&D games using these rules, and they feel pretty balanced. Of course, because I am both player and GM, I can always tweak things mid-game if they feel a bit off. If things really aren't working, I can even ditch D&D entirely and experiment with another system. So, that's the role-playing game system taken care of. The next thing to consider with a solo RPG is how to emulate the Game Master. In some games, such as Ironsworn, there's no need for a separate tool. The GM emulation is built into the game. If you'd like to see that system in action, I can highly recommend watching Season 2 of Trevor Duval's amazing Me, Myself and Die on YouTube. Or also Matt Risby's wonderful The Bad Spot, which uses the new Ironsworn Starforged rules. But for most traditional RPGs, you're going to need an additional tool to act as your virtual game master. There's many systems out there that can serve this purpose, but for this game, I'm going to go with probably the best known and the most widely used, the Mythic GM emulator. Mythic answers yes-no and complex questions, and also has the ability to introduce unexpected twists and turns, just like a real GM would. Again, if you'd like to see this tool in action, Season 1 of Trevor's Me, Myself and Die is a great place to see the Mythic GME used with Savage Worlds. I may also use other tools along the way as I see fit. I own a number of different randomizers and story generation tools. If I use any of those, I'll flag them as we go. So, at the start of this session, we were briefly introduced to Mina Montessario, the hero of this story. As I mentioned, Mina is going to be a battlesmith artificer, assuming she survives to level 3 when that subclass becomes available to her. Although I'm generally not a fan of low-level D&D play, I think, for this game, I'll start her as this lowly level 1 artificer 
so we can see her progress all the way from the beginning. With luck. But I will be levelling her up pretty quickly to start with. On that topic, I'm not going to be tracking XP in this game. Levelling up is going to be by milestone, or just when it feels right. I'm also going to hand wave away encumbrance, ammunition, and any other housekeeping minutiae that I can't be bothered with. The story is what matters most to me. Mina is statted as a variant human, with the sharpshooter feet, but with one exception to the norm in character building. I'm going to give her a plus two boost in her primary stat, so she'll start level one with an intelligence of 18. Just a bit of a side note here, I think there's a bit of a missed opportunity to add some much-needed character build diversity in 5th edition. Because stat bumps are so mechanically important, particularly those first couple, I rarely see many feats getting taken in the games I play. Which is a shame, really, because they can be great fun and a really good way of differentiating your character mechanically. Personally, I think there's little harm in offering an extra ability score improvement or feat at level 1, as long as the GM is going to beef up combat encounters a little bit to compensate. I think this bonus increases the chance that the player will take a feat rather than the stat bump by the time they reach level 4 or maybe level 8, which just makes things feel a bit more interesting. And as I mentioned, this is the real beauty of a solo game. In your session zero, you get to make these sorts of mechanical and thematic decisions, and you get to tweak the game to exactly your requirements, without the risk of putting anyone else's nose out of joint. You get to experiment with the game's parameters, knowing that if you need to adjust course at any point, you can, without upsetting anyone. Whether the same is true of a solo game that is broadcast to an audience remains to be seen. Other than her stat bump, Mina starts the game with nothing special. Just a rapier, a light crossbow, splint mail and a shield. She'll have a base of operations, though. I want her to have a workshop that she can retreat to when the need arises. But I think the details of that can be fleshed out as the game progresses. I'll post a link to Mina's level 1 character sheet in the show notes, as well as to the solo 5e rule tweaks and the mythic emulator, and the Tale of the Manticore and YouTube channels that I mentioned. Before I wrap up this session zero, I want to take a moment to touch on the game world. You have an option in a solo RPG. You can start knowing absolutely nothing about your world, and then build it up procedurally as you go, or you can start your game in a well-established, fully fleshed-out setting, and use the knowledge of that setting to provide you with ideas about how the story might progress. For this game, I plan to take the middle path. I'll be using a loosely established setting. Some time back, my game group and I played Microscope, which is a GM-less, diceless world-building game by Ben Robbins. Microscope allows you to flesh out an entire world from a blank canvas. The whole sweep of its history and all the key events and places and people that make up that history. The world we ended up with was made up of a series of shattered continents floating in the ether as a result of some terrible cataclysm, and attached to one another by impossibly huge chains. In the time when this game is set, the world has advanced to Renaissance levels, if the Renaissance included airships and demonically powered explosives. To support the Artificer character concept that I've picked, I want some science mixed in with my fantasy. Think The Three Musketeers meets Technomancy. Of course, 
I wanted unpredictability, so I'll embrace unpredictability if the story unexpectedly steers me in a different direction. The setting for Mina's adventures, at least to begin with, will be in one of this world's largest and most important cities, Kairas. This teeming metropolis is at the height of its power and is built on a single link of one of the world's chains. That link is over three miles long and half of that wide. It's home to several ruling factions, as well as criminal gangs, powerful guilds and scheming dark forces. Inter- and intra-organisational competition is rife. I have some information on those numerous factions, but that information is just loose enough that I can adopt, adapt, or invent on the fly to suit my needs. Just enough information to provide me with context when my GM emulator offers me some abstract prompts, but hopefully not so much as to constrain my design space. This, then, will be the world Mina and we will call home as the journey of the lone adventurer begins in session one. I hope you'll join me. You have been listening to The Lone Adventurer, a solo RPG podcast played, written and performed by me, Carl White. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or telling your friends. It really is a huge help. You can find show notes at theloneadventurer.podbean.com. I'll include any links mentioned there, as well as my interactions with the Mythic GM emulator and any other mechanics information. Mina's story will continue in the next episode of The Lone Adventurer. Thank you for listening.